0: Hello, hi, and welcome to Dr. Bingo Fairmont's Management Minute. Here we are in 2017. Dr. Fairmont is traveling to Washington, D.C. this week for a relaxing vacation. And that sounds like a good idea, right? There's nothing really much happening up there right now.
1: I don't think there's much going on yeah. up there. It ought to be
0: a quiet trip. He's going to see some sights. He'll get a great hotel. won't have any trouble with parking or anything like that. Good times. Nope. nope. Good times. Either way, Russell Clayton and Adam Shoemaker are here to represent... Coming to you from St. Leo University's Donald R. Tapia School of Business. And rather than getting into current politics because it's so divisive, let's talk about inaugurations that have happened in the past.
1: Yeah, tell me some, some interesting facts. Now, i got to be honest, I'm, I'm not an overly political guy, but I'd love to hear some interesting inauguration facts. Well, you know what? I went to the dailybeast.com, which uh,
0: for students out there, it's great for fun facts not a great place to find your scholarly information but some interesting little trivia bits <laughs> uh, one of the things I read was back in the first time that tickets were sold to an inauguration ball back in 1809 for James Madison guess how much the tickets cost a quarter 50 <laughs> cents actually four dollars Wow was a pretty big chunk of change back then yeah four dollars in in 1809 dollars that's that a lot some, that was some dollars not what they're what what it's like now you know where there are a thousand dollars to get into the high-end balls but uh you know it, it cost some money back then uh one other fact that only two presidents who walked in their own inauguration parades were almost 200 years apart first one was thomas jefferson in his inauguration in 1801 and the second one was jimmy carter in oh, 1977 wow. uh and also one more quick fact Uh, William Henry Harrison is famous for being president for the shortest amount of time. He was president for uh, 40 days or something like that. Mm. And he gave the longest inauguration speech. It was 100 minutes long, and he did it in the middle of a snowstorm without wearing a coat or a hat. And uh, then, uh, maybe not coincidentally, probably coincidentally, he he died about a month later from
1: pneumonia. Yikes. A hundred-minute speech. I wouldn't pay $4 to hear that. (laughs) You might pay $4. Even though that was for James Madison. (laughs) I wouldn't pay $4 to hear old William Henry talk for a hundred minutes. You might pay $4
0: for him to stop
1: talking at some point. Very true. Yeah. Well, what are we talking about
0: today, Dr.
1: Clayton? Well, we've got a good article here. Originally from Forbes, from one of the allbusiness.com writers, com writers. Michael Terrio, I believe that's how you would pronounce his name. Okay. Talking about firing underperforming employees. And, you know, anytime you use the word firing, it can get a little bit sensitive. And you got to think of a lot of the legal ramifications that come along with it. That said, I don't know that we're necessarily focusing on the legal aspect as much as we are just the practical aspect. So the author gave us three questions to ask ourselves, if we're thinking about firing an underperforming employee. And then also, Dr. Fairmont, although he's in D.C., shot us an email, gave us three additional questions to ask.
0: Absolutely. And and as you said, you should never be afraid of firing somebody if they're not doing a good job. Sure. But
1: you still want to make sure
0: that you have all your ducks in a row. Right. So you're not creating some kind of, even the semblance of mm-hmm. something Un, unethical or illegal or what have you. So it's the
1: old CYB, cover your butt.
0: That's it. So uh, Michael Terrio, writing for allbusiness.com, he had three questions, and, and his first question was, have you really given this employee, this underperforming employee, a chance yeah. to, to do well? And, and the message there, I guess, is you, know, you, you need to have some, some simple benchmarks to figure out if the person's doing well or not because the time between hire and productivity – can be pretty long, particularly for higher level jobs. If you're in a high executive level job, it might take you, you know, six, eight months just to get your feet wet, just to get into the swing of things and be starting to make some decisions for the company.
1: Sure. And along with that shoe is while there is that lag time, there's also sort of, does X cause Y or does X lead to Y? So is the lack of productivity say in the first month, is that actually due to the employee underperforming or just market conditions, et cetera. That's a great point. So you want to be able to have a longer snapshot of time
0: rather than just that one little period where you say, oh, things aren't going well. It might not be their fault. Right. Okay. The other question, a second question from Terry O is, could the employee be more successful in a different role or a different part of the company? And I guess the question that I would ask there is that's a great point. You might want to move people around till you find the right fit for their skills and for their their personality and what culture is the fit for them. But the other question is, when do you draw the line? How do, right. you, how, do you, how many moves are you willing to make for this one person to say, well, you didn't fit here, you didn't fit there, you didn't fit there? Are you going to keep trying,
1: or at some point do you just pull the plug? Sure, I think you know I think the context matters. How big of a company is this? Is this a small mom and pop? Is this a large Fortune 500? Somewhere in between the context matters. Uh, But I think the thing to keep in mind is, you know, we think of turnover cost coming from when someone leaves the organization and then we have to hire somebody to replace them. Mm -hmm. But even if this is all done internally, there's still those direct and indirect costs associated with that. Absolutely. And
0: we're going to come to that in just a minute as well. Uh, Terio's third question is, is managing this un- underperforming or unproductive employee, is it distracting you from the rest of your job? And I think that's probably maybe the best question that he has. Because you know what? If you're spending all your resources or an unfair amount of resources to deal with one or a couple of people, you got to really question whether it's worth the time and effort.
1: Right. If you're dealing with the problem child, so to speak, uh, to the detriment or ignoring those who are doing well right. or who need some basic coaching to perform well, could be an issue there. That's right, because then they're going
0: to end up being feeling forgotten and getting disgruntled, and they're going to leave you, and you're going to lose good people as right. well as bad. So, the, And you had mentioned now, this is our question that Dr. Fairmont sent down from on high, and it's the fourth question in, in this set. Um, And you had mentioned the importance of making a cost-based decision. So is it more cost-effective to take a chance on developing somebody, or is it more cost-effective to say, you know what, you need to go. We might have to pay you some severance or whatever, or unemployment, and then we're going
1: to have to recruit
0: and hire and onboard and train somebody else. So where is the lowest cost or the best cost-benefit relationship?
1: Yeah, and I think with that, I think that's a great question Dr. Fairmont gave us. And I think the issue there, again, is context. If we're talking about an administrative assistant, maybe we take a chance and we keep them on board, provide some training, maybe send them to some seminars for soft skills or hard skills such as typing, whatever. Mm -hmm. But an administrative assistant, that's going to look a lot different than if, say, this were a salesperson. Right. and we need them out there making sales, how long can you take a chance on that? That's I, true. I think that's... So, so really the consequences of yeah.
0: failure or not performing should be considered. Right. In that that is part of it. Right. right. And and you're absolutely right. And there's certainly there's easy to calculate costs, you know, in terms of what's it going to cost to recruit somebody new, what's the severance pay going to be if you let this person go, or what's the cost of development going to be, but also what's the cost of lost business from either right. keeping the person who's not good or losing that person and getting somebody else. There's lots of costs to consider.
1: Well, and speaking of cost the fifth question that dr fairmont sent us was how how will the rest of the team how will the rest of the workers deal with determination and that can come in the form of a legitimate tangible cost such as someone is now instead of working 40 hours they're working 45 to pick up the slack right kind of handle the extra work right or it could come in the form of a psychological cost uh you know, a, uh, a survivor's guilt almost, which can be applied to the workplace context. Absolutely. You know, why Why was he fired and not me? Right. Um, and, and if you have somebody who maybe isn't a great performer but is,
0: is somewhat well-liked and people are sorry to see them go and they're wondering, well, what happened? And is it going to create bad blood or, right. or, or you know, uh, uh, unusual, uh, I guess, a feeling or or culture in the in that part of the organization
1: right I know when I was fired from the Harvard Business School <clears throat> I, I'm just kidding <laughs>
0: Everybody was wondering, what happened to Clayton? What happened to him? He was great,
1: yes. Uh, And then the last question that uh,
0: Dr. Fairmont sent down to us is maybe the most important, and that is, have you been careful and documented any kind of performance issues and followed policy on taking disciplinary action? If you up and say, yeah, you know what, you're not working out, and you let the person go, and you have a very detailed policy about what you're supposed to document, what kind of chances they're supposed to get, do they get a warning and a suspension and a, a decision day and all this, and you skip over all that, this person may come up and and bite you in the butt later on and say hey this was wrongful termination
1: yeah i think dr fairmont is is very very good to point out again sort of this cyb Mm -hmm. um, this aspect of covering our butts because uh, i know in a future episode we're going to talk about the legal ramifications of a termination absolutely um and i think it's safe to say we all want to avoid that when possible so keep that paper trail. You got it. So if Dr. Fairmont were here, I think he would
0: probably tell us. He'd say, you know what, there's there's different levels of underperformance. Is the person that you're looking at, the employee, are they underperforming by an inch or is it more like a mile? Right. And how would you treat those two different cases differently?
1: I think that's a good point. And I think he would also tell us, as, as you mentioned earlier, you know, don't be afraid to fire a poor performer. Um Say that 10 times fast, poor performer. Poor, 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 Don't be afraid to fire a poor performer uh, because it could be that they are costing you significant money or right. business or whatever. Um, but as, as you mentioned from Dr., uh, Dr. Fairmont, make sure that the ducks are all in a row.
0: Right, absolutely. Make sure you got that documentation. Make sure you're following policy and make sure you're not just making a snap decision about got somebody it. that's going to hurt you later.
1: You got it. Yes.
0: Well, we're about ready to sign off. Our next podcast topic is going to be Work is Killing, killing. You. Killing. We encourage any of our listeners, if you have a topic, to send it in to us or communicate with us uh, through uh, SoundCloud or iTunes. And thank you to St. Leo University, the Donald R. Tapia School of Business. Our music comes to us from bensounds.com. And, of course, we want to thank our engineer and researcher, Sean the soundman, Man Gibbons. Thank you, Sean. And if you see Dr. Fairmont up there in D.C., you can get through the crowds. Tell him we're looking for him. Have a good one.